Hi folks, Joe Morris with uh, Answers Heaven Speaks. Happy Thursday to you. Hopefully some of you had a chance to uh, look at that uh, short video by Marissa yesterday. Uh, we're getting to the end of our show and uh, Marissa, was, uh, Marissa was about to channel Peter and she's also going to Peter, or going to Peter, uh, she's going to uh, be channeling Seth. For some reason, Seth came into the picture. And so uh, I said that, she goes, well, who is Seth? Who is Seth? And uh, I said, well, Seth, Seth is the, um, let me hang on just a second, let me get rid of something here. Um, Seth was the third. The third son of Adam and Eve. They had lots of sons and daughters. So let me let me get into this real quickly. Uh, let me just read the, the one part from. Uh, it's kind of funny because they started out. They started out uh, with the uh, the lineage of. Okay, I've been having some electricity problems here today, and so that has a little problem with my modem. So we're probably going to have a little. Every once in a while, a little tiny break. And, uh, but, you know, you know the story about Cain. Cain slew Abel out in the field. What happened was um, uh, Cain had brought uh, an offering. Cain was a farmer. And Cain had brought an offering of his first fruits. And it was sort of like, mm, ho-hum, ho-hum. And then Abel brought... Uh, uh, the first uh, calf, you know, calflings, I guess you'd call it that. And, uh, and God liked that. And Cain was like, well, well, what's the matter with me? I mean, I brought the first fruits from the ground. And he just brought a calf. And God liked the calf. And for whatever reason, didn't, didn't particularly care that uh, Cain had brought uh, the first fruits from the ground. So they went out in the field and Cain slew Abel. And then, it, so Cain got thrown out of the garden, Garden of Eden, and he was sent to the land of Nod. And, uh, and it does give a lineage and then stops. It stops uh, because, let's see. Oh, let's see how it goes. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And Cain had relations with his wife, whoever that wife may be. I mean, that, that just starts the whole thing. Well, wasn't there just Cain and Abel? Well, how did Cain end up with a wife? Was it uh, one of the Nephilim? Well, the Nephilim were giants. So who were they? Well, the Arantia book covers all that. You know, the Bible is just very spotty in that regard. So Cain goes out and he gets himself a wife. He has relations with his wife and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. But it's not the same Enoch. It's not the same Enoch that we have in our uh, Mysteries of the Earth book. Uh, Enoch wrote a book. Well, Enoch was taken up. He was taken up. He, he didn't die. When everybody else was living 800, 900,000 years uh, Enoch only lived 350 years, and then God took him, and that's all it says. And then Enoch was no more. God, he was with God, and then he was no more. 
And then we have that whole book of Enoch about what happened to Enoch. And he was taken up by UFOs or whatever, and uh, he described them as, as blazing uh, chariots of fire with, with um, uh, ice, ice for like windows. And they couldn't describe glass because they hadn't, hadn't discovered glass yet. So how do you describe something that you've, not, you've never seen? So anyway, so Cain took his wife and he had the, he had this, his first son was Enoch, but it's not the same Enoch. And then Enoch had Mahahalel, Mahuhalel, became the father of Methushael, and Methushael became the father of Lamech. These are all very similar names as what then became the lineage of Seth. So they go all the way down and uh, talk about the wives. Adah gave birth to Jabal, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and, and have livestock. And his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all those who play the lyra and the pipe. As for Zula, she also gave birth to Tubal-Cain, the forger of all implements of bronze and iron and the and the sister of Tubal-Cain was Nama. And Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zala, listen to my voice, give, her, give heed to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. And that's it. That's the end of the Cain lineage. Right there was Lamech. Because then it says, and Adam had relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring. This is in uh, chapter 4 of Genesis, by the way. God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel, for Cain killed him. And to Seth, to him, also a son was born and called his name Enosh, Enosh. And then men became to call upon the name of the Lord. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. I have a little trouble seeing here. But then it goes on. It goes into the lineage of Seth. And I'm not going to go through all, all the lineage, but the seventh generation was Enoch again. He had, let me see, did he have a Lamech as well? Enosh. So all the D's in Enosh were such and such and such. And Kenan lived 70 years. And then the Mahalalel. There's another Mahalalel in the Seth line. Um, and then Mahalalel had Jared. And Jared lived a hundred and so many years, and Jared lived in 800 years after he became the father of Enoch. And he had other sons and daughters. So the names are very similar in the Cain lineage as in the Seth lineage, but Marissa wanted to channel something about Seth, um, thinking that Seth was the soul of Christ, the soul of Jesus, and that's a little confusing to me. I'm not sure how that works. 
But uh, anyway, so we'll see if Marissa pops back in here and talks about Seth. We were just about there, and, and she did a little little video um, yesterday. So hopefully that went out, and a lot of people had a chance to see that. And um, because she was really bummed. She had five phones, five phones. All of them were at 100%, and she got knocked off here. That's one thing about Marissa and I. We ask God to come within us. We ask our team to join us during these, uh, during these lessons, these shows. And uh, they can throw our electronics completely out. Um, when Marissa and I are actually in the same room together and doing something, everything goes haywire. I mean, absolutely everything goes haywire. Phones don't work. The sound doesn't work. Um, the computers drop. Uh, it's like, what the heck? What's going on here? Microphones don't work. But we say prayers and we, we always want only the best to come out. And maybe sometimes they like to knock us off when they think we're going to be misled or, or uh, something negative is going to come into our session. And we really try very, very hard to keep that from happening. We do not like anything negative. So um, we're wrapping up where we are. I'm not going to get into the secular world, folks. I got a little, little notice from Facebook yesterday. They said... No, 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 no social matters, no, um, no uh, election stuff, no, no, um, so, you know, we're doing this to get Christ's words out. We're not here to fuss and moan and groan about what's going on in this crazy world. It's crazy. We watch this world and watching the world today is sort of like watching a, a plate falling off a table. You know how you get frozen? It, the, the plate, you, you can see that it's going to fall off the table and it's starting to fall and you just get frozen. You can't reach out and you can't grab it. That seems to be the way the world is now because there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing. We can moan and groan and we know that things are not happening the way they should. We know that there's so much evil in the world and... Ay, 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 ay. Boy, we really need Christ. We really need Christ. Well, listen, we've been going through the last few days, all this week, on the uh, kingdom of heaven uh, versus the kingdom of God, which is really doing the will of the Father. That's what it always boils down to. Jesus, do the will of the Father, do the will of the Father, do the will of the Father. The kingdom of heaven is near. kingdom of God is near. i got to be careful because this headphone hits my hair and it crackles a little bit. So let me get that out of the way. See if that's going to help out a little bit. So anyway, uh, let's hope that let's hope that works. So we've been talking about the kingdom of God and uh, the kingdom of heaven, and that was Jesus's primary teachings. That's what he was talking about. And now we're going to find out. We pretty much went through it. We went through all the different scenarios of of what the kingdom of heaven is and and um, how we're supposed to approach it and uh, how the kingdom of heaven is, is really set up for the individual. That's you and me. Uh, not necessarily for community. It's not a community because community is social and that's what the Jews were. It was a big social thing and, and they were leaders of the social order and they would stand on their street corners in their fancy clothes and, and act all pious and but they're just dirty as 
you know what, on the inside. So Jesus wanted to avoid that. He wanted the teaching of the individual, knowing that the Spirit of the Father lives within us. He lives within us. And he wanted us to understand that. But his apostles were like, oh yeah, that sounds great, but you got to be the Messiah because you got to kill all of our enemies and sit up on that throne over there. And then when they thought that he was going to die, he kept telling them he's going to die and then he's going to come back, but they didn't understand that. So when he was telling them, I'm going to come back, they thought that was going to be the second coming of Christ. So he was going to have to die, then he was going to resurrect, and then he was going to be the Messiah and he, with a big staff and, and in the ground. He was going to smite all the enemies. So they're all convoluted and mixed up. Jesus is trying to get it through their head. No, this is an individual thing. Each person is a gift. Each person has the gift of God that lives within them. And he was trying to teach that, but they're so into what was in the Old Testament, how the Messiah was going to come and the groundwork was laid out in Isaiah and, and and uh, Zechariah and and then Jeremiah and and Joel and 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 some of the other prophets. I can't even think of them all right now. Last third of the Old Testament is all the prophets. One of these days, I'll read through all of those. So anyway, we got through all that teaching of, of Jesus up till yesterday, and then Marissa came in and, and started doing some channeling, which was really cool. Uh, she actually channeled the Father. But what we got to was a conclusion. We're getting ready to get to the conclusion. I want to get into that conclusion today uh, because it's the Midwayers. Now, once again, this is a channel book. Marissa's a clairvoyant, clear channel, clairvoyant channel. And I believe in what Marissa does. I believe that she actually does talk to spirit, good spirit, not bad spirit. And... Um, But I've been saying all along that, you know, you go to church and not everybody goes to church, but, you know, I was, I was pretty faithful. When I was living in the United States, I was pretty faithful about going to church. I'd go on Saturday nights and, and on Sunday mornings. I'd go to one church on a Saturday night and go to another church on a Sunday morning. And I liked listening to the passages or the uh, whatever it was, uh, the lesson that the pastors wanted to give that week. And they'd be a half hour long. They'd be 30 minutes. You know, you go to church for an hour and, and the first 15 minutes or so is, is the band is up there playing like they're at a rock concert, you know, and everybody's got to stand up and, and sing along and, and raise their hands to the sky and say, come Lord, come be with me. Hallelujah to the Lord. And my back would always be killing me or my knees would be killing me. I've had back surgery and knee surgery. I hated standing up. But I didn't want to embarrass myself by sitting down while everybody else is standing up. So the first 15 or 20 minutes is them, you know, the musicians doing their thing. And singing songs of praise to God. And then the next five or 10 minutes or so is, is the uh, faith leaders get up and they talk about what's going on at the church and and what kind of services that they have to provide to people in need or what have you and, and child care and whatever else, whatever else was coming up, like sports leagues and things like that that the church was involved in. And then it would get into the pastor. The pastor would be up there for 30 minutes and he'd do a lesson for 30 minutes. 
and then uh, the last 10 minutes or five or 10 minutes was music again and then everybody leaves and that was it that's church and invariably those 30 minute sermons invariably were always out of the various 13 books of Paul and I never really felt like Paul was truly truly teaching the teachings of Jesus it just it never felt right but you know he Paul was put there by God to go to the Gentiles to cultivate the Gentiles and the Apostles you know Paul likes to call himself an Apostle of Jesus but he did not walk with Jesus he was only met with Jesus on the road to Damascus uh, after Jesus had already lived and died and uh, Paul was on his way to kill some more Christians and and Jesus stopped him Christ stopped him and blinded him he said you're going to be my Apostle you're going to be my apostle and you're going to go to the Gentiles and you're going to teach them about my teachings and so he was he was blinded for three days he was told to go see some guy uh, that had a donkey in Damascus and he went to see the guy and he put like remember Jesus had healed people who had had uh, had been blinded and he would take dirt in his hands and he'd, he'd spit on it and then he make that little bit of mud and he put it in their eyes and and then as they went to the the, the pool of Salome or whatever and, and wash out the uh, uh, the dirt from their eyes then they could see they would be able to see and that's kind of what happened to Paul he had he had uh, what do they call it? shekels shekels fell from his eyes and uh, he could see and that's when Paul turned himself over to uh, to Christ problem was Paul was a Jew he was also a Roman Jew but he was also Greek his father was Roman his mother was Greek and uh, she was a Jew and uh, the father was a was a Gentile and being Greek he was schooled on the philosophers of the day of Philo and Aristotle and Socrates and Plato which had all come about three to four hundred years before Christ so Paul started incorporating the philosophies of the Greek philosophers into his sermons and that was a way to pull in the Greek the Greek Gentiles Greek Gentiles but then Constantine just fell in love with Paul and incorporated so many of his writings into the New Testament so now we think Paul is the true expert on Jesus when in all reality you're gonna find a better representation of Christ probably in first and second Peter because Peter stuck stuck with the original uh, the original teachings and that so those pure dry uh, they're not stories and uh, Paul's writings are stories because he's being persecuted he's thrown in jail um, he's let out of jail and then he goes before um, the various governors and the mayors and and then he says, "No, I'm, I need I need to see uh, I need to see the Roman emperor. I need to go see uh, Caesar. He needed to go see Caesar. And so then there's trips. Uh, you know, his the stories are of him on his trips to Rome, and he was stopping at various places and seeing various friends and, and building the church. The church, always building the church. But when Jesus was here, he was the church because the church was the individual." an individual whereas Paul was turning into community 
So the Midwayers, uh, once again, the, the, the channeler for the, the Arantia book, we all assume is, is Edgar Cayce. Um, but even the Arantia Foundation doesn't want to admit it. They don't want to say. They don't want anybody worshiping who the channeler is. That would be like people worshiping Marissa, not for what Marissa channels, but worshiping her, the person. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. Marissa's a mouthpiece. I'm a mouthpiece. That's all. Nobody's going to worship me. All I am is just a, I'm a temple and I'm just a mouthpiece. And I'm just here to pass along the words of Christ. And Jesus told us, Marissa and I, about 11 years ago, when we got started in all of this crazy craziness. And you can see the evolution of what happened to Marissa and I uh, by going to our first book, which is uh, Answers Heaven Speaks, just like the namesake here. Answers Heaven Speaks. And Marissa explains what happened to her. I explain what happened to her from a father's point of view and how we kind of got led into, we had a certain thing happen that, that uh, got me to believe that what Marissa was doing must have some validity. And so we've spent many years having sessions and, and transcribing some of them and uh, not certainly not all of them. There's probably so many hidden away nuggets uh, in all of our sessions over these last 11 years, pushing 12 now. So anyway, so the channeler of the Rancher book, let's assume it's Edgar Cayce, um, is channeling what we call the midwayers. And the midwayers, I, I say, they're because they're they're between heaven and earth, heaven and earth. Uh, they're kind of a special breed. Uh, they're not angels. Uh, they're not souls. Uh, there's something in between. And they're sort of like balls of light, but they have personality. In fact, some of the midwayers fell and went with Lucifer. So, but what they, what they become is historians and they remember everything. I mean, absolutely everything. They don't have to write it down. It's all right there in their consciousness. Let's just say that they're like uh, speaking hard drives is what it is. Just recording everything, everything, everything. That's why in the story of Jesus here, we know the dates, you know, February 5th of AD 28, he went here. And then on March 1st, he went over here. And I mean, the Bible doesn't have that broken down. They don't have, they're not even in chronological order. Um, the apostles did the best they can to bring along the story of Christ uh, as he walked on the earth. But uh, they got the chronology kind of mixed up. Things that happened in the beginning, they, they have coupled with things that happened in, in the end. And so it's a little bit hard to follow if you're just reading through the Bible and trying to get some sense of the life of Jesus. And that's why this Urantia book is so much better. I mean, it's, I don't want to say better than the Bible because the Bible is the, is the accepted word of God, which is still written by men. But there's something really special about this. Uh, getting to really know his life. We're getting to know all his teachings and all the things he talked to when he would talk to his disciples and, and to his apostles. And, um, oh boy, my dogs are going to start barking again. So anyway, let's see what the midwayers say uh, in regards to the kingdom of heaven. And it's entitled, Later Ideas of the Kingdom. Now, having summarized the teachings of Jesus about the kingdom of heaven, we, the midwayers, 
are permitted to narrate certain later ideas which became attached to the concept of the kingdom and to engage in a prophetic forecast forecast of the kingdom as it may evolve in the age to come. Keep in mind this was this was uh, channeled in uh, in the 20th century in 1930s. Uh, was eventually put into a book um, called the Arantia Book in the 1950s. Uh, so it took about 20 years to actually take those transcriptions and uh, and put them into a put them into a book. And then the foundation was founded by. I think it's like the Westinghouse family is the one that probably bankrolled uh, putting it together. That's why many people tend to believe that it was actually a member of the Westinghouse family uh, that is the channeler. But most people know that the very well-known sleeping prophet of the 1930s, uh, Edgar Cayce, uh, would probably be the profound person uh, able to um, channel this, and he did it in a in a uh, in a hypnotic state. In a hypnotic state, uh, Marissa goes into a semi-conscious uh, state when she channels, and and watch her when she comes on, because um, it's like um, I say, it's like she's she's um, reading from from a teleprompter, uh, but maybe even uh, even more than reading from a teleprompter it's more like she's got an, an earphone in her ear uh, and she's repeating as somebody is speaking to her she's repeating it repeating it so it's really fast rapid fire rapid fire rapid fire rapid fire and you go how can she know all this and how can she know it in such a rapid manner uh, without any ums or ahs or this and that and, and uh, you know I've got so many ums and ahs and then you knows in there but she just rapid fire and she closes her eyes. She's got her eyes closed and she's just going, 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 going. So I imagine that's probably the way it was when uh, Casey was, uh, um, was channeling as well. But he was doing it in a hypnotic state because he was doing it at the, um, um, under the uh, supervision of a psychologist, a psychiatrist. Uh, who had decided to use uh, tape recordings in the 30s. That was new. And uh, he would have patients come in, and the patients would have various addictions or whatever, and he thought, well, it'd be kind of cool. Let me, let me, let me uh, hypnotize them and get the story out of them, out of their hypnotic state. And then the patient would listen to that tape uh, afterwards to find a way to overcome whatever addictions that they had, whether it's sexual or drugs or alcohol or, or just, uh, you know, bad, being bad people. And then it was just a strange occurrence that happened when somebody came along and kind of started spewing this story. And we're just in the fourth, there's four sections in this book, and we're just in the fourth section. We've been going since May, and uh, we haven't even got to Jesus being arrested yet. Um, so we still got some some time going, but every day there's a lesson. Every single day there's something in here that we can use in our daily life uh, that Jesus tries to teach us. But anyway, so the midwayers are saying, you know, here's what happened. Here's what happened. So um, anyway, throughout the um, let me see if I can get this thing to work here. 
So throughout the first centuries, first centuries of the Christian, and they call it propaganda, Christian propaganda, the idea of the kingdom of heaven was tremendously influenced by the then rapidly spreading notions of Greek idealism. That's Paul. Greek idealism. And that was a big deal then. You know, uh, Aristotle, Socrates, Plato, Philo, uh, even Archimedes uh, and Pythagoras. I mean, there was a, just a slew of Greek philosophers that came along, you know, three or four hundred years before Christ. And, and that was a big thing. The Greeks like to be elites, so to speak, uh, brainiacs, and they're always quoting uh, the various philosophies. And so it was now becoming a, 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 a Greek idealism, Jesus' teachings, and the idea of the natural as a shadow of the spiritual, natural as a shadow of the spiritual, the temporal as the time shadow of the eternal. But the great step which marks the which marked the transplantation of the teachings of Jesus from a Jewish to a Gentile soil was taken when the Messiah of the kingdom became the redeemer of the church. So they made him something different. He didn't become the Messiah like everybody wanted him to be. Now they're calling him the redeemer, the redeemer of the church, which there had been no church. Jesus himself was considered the church and it had followers and it wasn't necessarily a social thing. Remember, he had all of his apostles get rid of all their worldly goods. He didn't want everybody. He, he only had a very select number that were going to be his true messengers and followers and they did have to give up their personal possessions. And no, it wasn't socialism. It was not communism. Jesus was already a capitalist. I mean, he ran his own carpenter shop, for crying out loud. He ran two different uh, caravans. But in this case, he wanted his disciples, his apostles, to be unfettered, unfettered by oh, social mores and, and material things. And he put it upon the pilgrims, the pilgrims that uh, the apostles would meet uh, to take care of them and invite them into their homes and feed them and give them money as they needed it and what have you. And, and uh, yeah, their families had to be taken care of. So um, I'm not sure how they did that after Jesus left. Uh, while he was here, whenever they would take in money, uh, John would be in charge of uh, giving out funds to his brother, David Zebedee. And David Zebedee would run around all over, go back up to Galilee, uh, where all of them had come from, and make sure that the families of the apostles were taken care of, that they had uh, the means to eat and have shelter. So, let me say this again. But the great step which marked the transplantation of the teachings of Jesus from a Jewish to a Gentile soil was taken when the Messiah of the kingdom became the redeemer of the church, a religious and social organization growing out of the activities of Paul and his successors. And based on the teachings of Jesus as they were sup supplemented by the ideas of Philo and, and other 
Persian doctrines. We talked about the Zoroastrianism, uh, the doctrines of uh, Persia. And that was a, a Zoroastrianism, which was pretty strong at that time. It was one of the original Salem religions. And Paul was incorporating all this. He was He's taking bits and pieces of the various philosophers and, and even taking the ideals of some of the Salem religions that had come out of the, the area of Eden, which is where the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers come together and form this uh, triangle, so to speak. So, uh, so it's based on the teachings of Jesus as they were supplemented, supplemented, added to, by the ideas of Philo and the Persian doctrines of good and evil. The ideas and ideals of Jesus embodied in the teaching of the gospel of the kingdom nearly failed, failed of realization as his followers progressively distorted his pronouncements. Keep in mind, he kept teaching them and teaching them, teaching them, teaching. And remember, they, he would say things like, oh, how much longer should I deal with you? I mean, don't you get it? I mean, you know, in, in a kind way. Jesus would do that in a kind way to Nathaniel or Thomas or, or uh, not so much Andrew, but Peter. And um, they just wanted the Messiah. That's what the Old Testament was, was saying. He was supposed to be the Messiah. And they just, the teachings would come in and they wouldn't necessarily go in one ear and out the other, but doggone it, they wanted that king on a throne. So the master's concept of the kingdom was notably modified by two great tendencies. Modified. This is after he had left. The Jewish believers persisted in regarding him as the Messiah. They believed that Jesus would very soon return again, actually to establish the worldwide and more or less material kingdom. So that was the second coming of Christ. They thought it was going to happen like just like that. He would be resurrected. People would know that there was life after this life. And then he would come back again, but he would be the Messiah again. So that's what they kept thinking. Messiah, 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 Messiah. Number two, the Gentile Christians began very early to accept the doctrines of Paul, which led, interestingly, to the general belief that Jesus was the Redeemer instead of the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Redeemer of the children of the church, the new and institutional successor of the earlier concept of the purely spiritual brotherhood of the kingdom. My dogs are going to yip and their little ding, ding, dinger is sitting over there. Finally got a new printer. Am I going to be able to reach this? Nah, let's let the dogs let's let the dogs bark. So it's getting bastardized. I, I hate to use that word because it has a negative connotation, but um, it's uh, convoluted. It's becoming convoluted. I mean, I wonder. You know, I just wonder if Jesus up there in his glory up there was looking down on us, just going, "Oh my God, I spent all the time with those guys and they still can't get it." But it did. It's continued on. There is Christianity, but there's a lot, a lot of different forms of Christianity. The church, as a social outgrowth of the kingdom, would have been 
holy, natural, and even desirable. Let me read that again. The church, as a social outgrowth of the kingdom, would have been holy, natural, and even desirable. The evil of the church was not. They're using the word evil and church in the same sentence. The evil of the church was not its existence, but rather that it almost completely supplanted the Jesus' concept of the kingdom. So he's constantly, I mean, he spent a year and a half, almost two years with his apostles teaching them, and they'd go out on little little, uh, little ministry tours, but then he started his tour, remember? He, he said, now it's my time to go, and that was pretty much after John the Baptist lost his head. And so he's teaching every day, every day about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And yet, somehow it just didn't click. So they're saying the evil of the church was not its existence, but rather that it almost completely supplanted the Jesus concept of the kingdom. Paul's institutionalized church became a virtual substitute for the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus had proclaimed. So Paul was supplanting Paul was creating his own religion. That's what he was doing. Let me let me get my little thing. My my doggies are just gonna talk and talk and talk, so let me come on, Poppy. I gotta do my little ding ding ding. My little ding 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 ding. That distracts them. No no uh, no injury whatsoever. Get these uh, headsets back in again. And a little bit of jazz music playing in the background. I used to be a, uh, uh, when I was in my early 20s, I, I used to be a late night rock jock uh, in central Texas and uh, on an FM station. It was just when FM was, was uh, coming up and and um, you know, got away from the bubblegum music and into uh, pretty hard rock and roll. And uh, then when I, when uh, Blethers, or Marissa's mom and I got married, we went uh, back to Cal, came back to California. I had done this after I got out of the army, and I uh, became the uh, business director uh, of the uh, uh, college radio station, and I. I would have a show on Friday mornings, and it wasn't a time to play rock and roll. That just was not a time on a Friday morning to play hard rock, rock and roll, um, uh, Pink Floyd or Stones or, or whatever. And I started getting into jazz, and I played, and I didn't care for the old-time jazz. Uh, I liked the more electronic jazz that was just coming on at that time. Uh, when was this? This was 19... 74, I think, 74, 75. So I, I really, I really, uh, I ended up doing a show uh, that was kind of like a smooth jazz show. And there were no programs like that on, on conventional or uh, public radio. Everything was still bubblegum music or rock and roll. And um, I remember I had uh, Tony Bennett 
called me up one day, and uh, this was up in Santa Barbara, California, and he goes, man, I like your music. <laughs> I like your music. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep playing it. And I got calls from various other artists from time to time as well. And uh, then there was a uh, K, was it K-I-S-S, something, I can't remember the call signs for uh, Santa Barbara. Um, there was a guy, and I, God, I forget his name. Um, he, he took what I was doing on my show and he incorporated it into his own new show and, and called it Smooth Jazz, Smooth Jazz. And he became really big. He became, um, uh, around the whole United States, he was syndicated and he had his uh, Smooth Jazz show. But it was pretty much what I had started doing uh, on my radio show. But um, I, always, I always liked the jazz. I liked the electronic jazz. Uh, not so much the screeching... Uh, trumpets and the, uh, the, the banging of the bass drum and, and, the, and the hardcore uh, piano. I liked it smooth and easy. So I like to have that as a background, a little bit of a background sound while we're doing this. And poor Poppy. I'm just going to have to ding, 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 ding her. Him. He acts like a girl dog, but he's a boy dog. So anyway, let's, let's continue on with this. So Paul is kind of convoluting what Jesus was teaching and he was kind of creating his own religion and again you go to church nowadays and it's always Paul's books it's always Paul's lessons that seem to be uh, seem to be taught on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night not necessarily from either Matthew Mark Luke or John but usually from one of the other 13 books of, of Paul so the Christianity that I've been exposed to is, is Paul's religion, not necessarily Jesus's. But they're going to say that Jesus's teachings are going to come back. They're going to come back. Maybe, maybe I have a small part in that. Uh, maybe some of you who are out there, and, and there's a lot of you who are watching these now. And, and I really believe that there's a number of you pastors. There's, there's pastors out there who are watching this now. And maybe it's giving you a little bit different idea on how to teach your flock uh, when you hold your services on a Saturday night or on a Sunday morning. Um, get back into the words of Jesus, not just the philosophy of Paul, but get back to the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God and teaching us about spirit. And, um, you know, Paul barely, rarely ever talks about spirit. He does from time to time. He does say that God lives within us and then two more books go by and he doesn't mention anything. But doubt not, the same kingdom of heaven which the master taught exists within the heart of the believer and will yet be proclaimed to this Christian church, whatever Christian church that may be, even as to all other religions, races, and nations on earth, even to every individual. Bring it back to the individual. Take it away from the social order of the church, bring it back to the individual. And that's, that's where we talk about bridging the gap between Christianity and spirituality. Because spirituality is an individual thing. And I think that's closer to what Jesus was trying to teach. That our relationship with God isn't through the church. It is through ourselves. We have this one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Father. 
because the Father has given us the gift of his spirit that lives within our minds and within our hearts and within our soul. So they're saying maybe, just maybe, maybe, maybe things will get transformed a little bit uh, as time goes on. But again, this was all, this was all done in the 1930s, 1930s. I mean, that's, what is that, 80 years now since then? 90 years? 80 years? <laughs> My math skills are terrible. The kingdom of Jesus' teaching, the spiritual ideal of individual righteousness, and the concept of man's divine fellowship with God became gradually submerged into the mystic, the mystic. There were even the mystic religions, uh, mystery religions in those days. Um, the mystery religions uh, went to the, uh, uh, the Essenes, the Essenes at that time which was kind of a, uh, an offshoot of, of the Jewish faith, but it was leaning towards Jesus. And it was a little bit different. It was the mystic religions and the mysterious mystery religions, along with, um, oh, what were some of the other ones? Uh, uh, ma, ma, I want to say Matthias, not Matthias. It's... Uh, uh, Not Melchizedek. Ah, oh, I'm losing. I'm losing the the ones that uh, there was. There was a church, um, kind of a Roman church that had a. Uh, um, it starts with an M, and for the life of me, it, it's just escaping me. Paul took over those churches. Took over those churches and turned them into Christian churches. And um, doggone it, I can't think of. It. I can't. Can't think of that guy's name. He was a he was like a Roman god, but he had also been resurrected, unknown, unbeknownst. And uh, his birthday was December 25th, so they incorporated uh, his birthday into Jesus's birthday. Jesus was born August 7th. He was not born on December 25th. He was born August 7th in the year I think three, three A.D. three or four A or three or four B.C. B.C. So. Let me go back over that again. The kingdom of Jesus' teaching, the spiritual ideal of individual righteousness, and the concept of man's divine fellowship with God became gradually submerged into the mystic conception of the person of Jesus as the redeemer, creator, and spiritual head of a socialized religious community. He didn't do that. But in this way, a formal and institutional church became the substitute for the individually, individually spirit-led brotherhood of the kingdom. So the church was becoming a substitute, which meant church rules and all that other stuff, just like the Jews. You know, the, Jesus said there's only two rules, love God with all your heart and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And loving God with all your heart and soul means doing his will. And that was it. But now they're going to have churches. I can't tell you. I mean, the Baptist church has tons of rules. The apostolic church has tons of rules. The Catholic church has tons of rules. They incorporated, they made the church more important than the teachings of Jesus, which was about the kingdom of God. 
So as a substitute for the individually spirit-led brotherhood of the kingdom. The church was an inevitable and useful, inevitable and useful social result of Jesus' life and teachings. The tragedy, the tragedy consisted in the fact that the social reaction to the teachings of the kingdom so fully displaced the spiritual concept of the real kingdom as Jesus taught and lived it. So here we are, they're just kind of, they just couldn't get over the fact that he wasn't the Messiah sitting on a throne and and for all his teaching, it just, it didn't settle into their hearts. It didn't settle into their hearts. They decided to create something like the Jewish faith. How are we doing on time? Oh my God, yes, it goes fast. I got to finish this, this one part. We're not going to, tomorrow we'll get into Jesus leaving Pella and he's going to be on his way to Jerusalem. Um, I've got Marissa. It looks like Marissa's coming in. Uh, Marissa, I want to get through this. Let me just get, uh, let me get through the last of this. Now, the kingdom to the Jews was the Israelite community. To the Gentiles, it became the Christian church. To Jesus, the kingdom was the sum of those individuals who had confessed their faith in the fatherhood of God, thereby declaring their wholehearted dedication to the doing of the will of God thus becoming members of the spiritual brotherhood of man. The master fully realized that certain social results would appear in the world as a consequence of the spread of the gospel of the kingdom. But he intended that all such desirable social manifestations should appear as unconscious and inevitable outgrowths or natural fruits of this inner personal experience of individual believers. This purely spiritual fellowship and communion with the divine spirit which indwells and activates all such believers. Jesus foresaw that a social organization or church would follow the progress of the true spiritual kingdom. And that is why he never opposed the apostles practicing the rite of John's baptism. Jesus never baptized anybody. But they let, they let them go on with what John used to do. He taught that the truth-loving soul, the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for God, is admitted by faith to the spiritual kingdom. And at the same time, the apostles taught that such believer is admitted to the social organization of disciples by the outward rite of baptism. When Jesus' immediate followers recognized their partial failure, to realize his ideal of the establishment of the kingdom in the hearts of men by the Spirit's domination and guidance of the individual believer, they set about to save his teaching from being wholly lost by substituting for the Master's ideal of the kingdom the gradual creation of a visible social organization, the Christian Church. And when they had accomplished this program of substitution, in order to maintain consistency and to provide for the recognition of the Master's teaching regarding the fact of the kingdom, they proceeded to set the kingdom off into the future. The church, just as soon as it was well established, began to teach that the kingdom was in reality to appear at the culmination of the Christian age, 
at the second coming of Christ. And in this manner, the kingdom became the concept of an age, the idea of a future visitation, and the ideal of the final redemption of the saints on the Most High. The early Christians, and all too many of the later ones, generally lost sight of the Father and Son connection embodied in Jesus' teaching of the kingdom, while they substituted, therefore, the well-organized social fellowship of the church. The church thus became, in the main, a social brotherhood, which effectively displaced Jesus' concept and ideal of a spiritual brotherhood, the brotherhood, one-on-one relation with God. Jesus' ideal concept largely failed. Read that again. Jesus' ideal concept largely failed. But upon the foundation of the Master's personal life and teachings, supplemented by the Greek and Persian concepts of eternal life and augmented by Philo, another philosopher, augmented by Philo's doctrine of the temporal contrasted with the spiritual. So Paul went forth to build up one of the most progressive human societies which has ever existed on earth. Paul. This is Paul. The concept of Jesus is still alive in the advanced religions of the world. Paul's Christian church is the socialized and humanized shadow of what Jesus intended the kingdom of heaven to be and what it most certainly will yet become. So it's yet to become. And who knows? Maybe me being a sower of seeds, this is falling in the good soil. And maybe, just maybe, some of you pastors out there will now start teaching the kingdom of heaven and not just Paul's philosophy on life and his knowledge and his understanding of of Jesus. Paul and his successors partly transferred the issues of eternal life from the individual to the church. Took it from the individual and made it the church. Christ thus became the head of the church rather than the elder brother of each individual believer in the Father's family of the kingdom. Paul and his contemporaries applied all of Jesus' spiritual implications regarding himself and the individual believer to the church as a group of believers. And in doing this, they struck a death blow, a death blow to Jesus' concept of the divine kingdom in the heart of the individual believer. And so, for centuries, the Christian church has labored under great embarrassment because it dared to lay claim to those mysterious powers and privileges of the kingdom, powers and privileges which can be exercised and experienced only between Jesus and his spiritual believer brothers. And thus it became apparent that membership in the church does not necessarily mean fellowship in the kingdom. It's membership in the church. One is spiritual, the other is basically social. One is spiritual, and that's what Jesus taught, was the spiritual, teaching us that God lives within us. And our relationship is that with God. Bridging the gap, bridging the gap, bridge the gap between Christianity and spirituality. And we're trying to bring people back to a more spiritual existence rather than 
having to live the rules and the, and the laws that are found in the church, the church. Nothing against the church. I mean, people need a social order and they find brotherhood and sisterhood uh, in a church. Sooner or later, another and a greater John the Baptist is due to arise. So they're saying, we're going to have another John the Baptist coming along sometime in the future. We don't know when. Proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand, meaning a return to the high spiritual concept of Jesus, who proclaimed that the kingdom is the will of his heavenly Father, dominant and transcendent in the heart of the believer. And doing all this without in any way referring either to the visible church on earth or to the anticipated second coming of Christ. We read about the second coming of Christ in Luke. I think it's Luke 10. There must come a revival. And don't forget, Jesus said, the end of the world and his coming aren't necessarily one and the same. You just don't know when he's going to come. But the book of Revelation pretty much tells us when and how. There must come a revival of the actual teaching of Jesus, such a restatement as will undo the work of his early followers who went about to create a socio-philosophical system of belief regarding the fact of Michael's sojourn, the creator of our universe, Michael, became Jesus on earth. In a short time, the teaching of this story about Jesus nearly supplanted the preaching of Jesus as gospel of the kingdom. And in this way, a historical religion displaced that teaching in which Jesus had blended man's highest moral ideas and spiritual ideals with man's most sublime hope for the future. Eternal life. Eternal life. That's what we all want. And that was the gospel of the kingdom. It is just because the gospel of Jesus was so many-sided that within a few centuries, students of the records of his teachings became divided up into so many cults and sects. This pitiful subdivision of Christian believers results from failure, failure to discern in the Master's manifold teachings the divine oneness of his matchless life. But someday, the true believers in Jesus will not be thus spiritually divided in their attitude before unbelievers. And always we may have diversity of intellectual comprehension and interpretation, even varying degrees of socialization, but lack of spiritual brotherhood is both inexcusable and reprehensible. Again, lack of spiritual brotherhood is both inexcusable and reprehensible and mistake not there is in the teachings of Jesus an eternal nature which will not permit them forever to remain unfruitful in the hearts of thinking men the kingdom as Jesus conceived it has to a large extent failed on earth you say that again the kingdom as Jesus conceived it has to a large extent failed on earth for the time being an outward church has taken its place. But you should comprehend this church is only the larval stage of the thwarted spiritual kingdom, which will carry it through this matter material age and ever over into a more spiritual dispensation where the Master's teachings may enjoy a fuller opportunity for development. 
Thus does the so-called Christian church become the cocoon, the cocoon in which the kingdom of Jesus' concept now slumbers. Slumbers. We all know what slumbers is. It's, it's, it's dormant. It's, it's sleep. It's, we go to church to learn philosophy instead of learning about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of the divine brotherhood is still alive and will eventually and certainly come forth from this long submergence just as surely as the butterfly eventually emerges as the beautiful unfolding of its less attractive creature of metamorphic development. So they're saying it's still yet there. That, that, ends, uh, that ends our entire lesson that we've been doing all week long on the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, don't be down on your pastor if, you, if you're a churchgoer and you go to church and yeah, here we go, we're going to get another lesson from Paul in Thessalonians or Philippians or, or whatever. And not necessarily Hebrews. They've, if you really want to read an interesting book in the New Testament, read the book of Hebrews. That's a really interesting one because they don't think that's... They have, they have assigned that book to Paul, but it's, it's, not, it's not written in the typical Paul fashion. So it's, and it gets into the Melchizedek. It talks about Melchizedek a great deal. Melchizedek is really only... Um, uh, introduced to us when he meets with Abram. But Melchizedek was building the Salem religions uh, up there in the Euphrates, uh, Tigris area of what we now call Iran, uh, which in, was initially Persia. And um, But Hebrews goes a little bit deeper, talking about who Melchizedek is. So if you want something that's rather interesting, probably take you an hour to read uh, read the book of Hebrews or listen to it on tape. A lot of you don't like to read. Um, I like to read. It's not bad. I, I In and out, in and out. Uh, but um, it's really interesting. I'm, with the internet nowadays, you can just type in the uh, book of Hebrews and then uh, click on uh, the audio version and just have somebody read it to you. And it's uh, you can kick back and you know close your eyes and lay down on a pillow and, and listen to it. And it's, uh, you know, because some people, me included, when I read, if I'm reading a book, a novel or whatever, um, next thing you know, I've read a whole page and I don't remember what I read uh, because my mind, my mind works faster than, than, my, uh, uh, than my interpretation and, and, uh, uh, and ability to absorb what I'm reading. Uh, so I'm thinking about baseball games and surfing and golfing and, and doing this, that, and the other while I'm reading something. I go, oh my gosh, I don't even remember what I just read. So listening to it is, is actually uh, pretty good. And it's also something you can do in your car you know, when you're stuck in traffic on the way to work. So that's it for the kingdom of heaven. Um, I think I can see Marissa might be coming on. I'm wondering if she's going to get into this whole Seth thing. So hang on a second. Let's see if we get Marissa in here. She's going to be, yep, there she is. Let's see if we can get her on. Marissa, are you there? And I'm, cu I'm curious to see what uh, Marissa is going to be channeling things, something either Seth or, or doing something with Peter. Here she comes. Hi. Hey, I Marissa. I can pop on the camera once I get home. I had to pick up Madison from dance. Um, I wish oh. she could be on that, Madison. Oh, hi, the camera. Papa. Madison said, hi, Papa. 
Oh, hi, Madison. <laughs> I miss um, you, sweetie. She said she'll be good if I if I need to if I need to do the show. She said she's gonna be good. She says because there's no boys here. Hmm. No boys. Buddy and Jeff aren't here. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, well, that... she said she's gonna be in the show. Um, oh, okay. But anyways, I just wanted to um, I just wanted to pop on and say hi and see if you had any questions. I only was able I was too busy drooling over Madison dancing because it was so cute. Um, yeah. She was in a different class today, so she had a totally different routine, and she was totally keeping up with the teachers. And even the other moms were like, "Wow, look at that girl go! And look at those tights. She has leopard tights on. <laughs> all the other ones have like pink tights and a pink um, uh, leotard, and they're all like preppy looking. Madison comes in with her leopard tights and her purple leotard, <sighs> her style. I'm so, sure she's cute. I'm sure she yeah. looks so really anyways, good. So, I, was, so I, was, I, I didn't hear what you said for like the last like 20 minutes, but I listened to the first like 40 minutes about oh, a lot okay. of call, and it's the Mithronian temples. Mithros. Mithros, that's right, yeah. Mithros. Because there's a Mithros and a Mithros, and I don't remember which one's which. I, I think, think it's Mithros. Yeah, one's the one's the father of all gods, and, and um, the other one is the, the bull head, head of a bull, body of a man, um, one that's born on December 25th. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's that's even more of the confusion because there's there's one that's good and one that, that's not so good. And and hmm. the one that I used to see when I call in like God or whatever on, on on Christmas, I would see the one with the bull head, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, am I seeing the D E V I L? Um, oh, she knows how to spell. Never mind. <laughs> I wonder if that's the same bull head that you see uh, um, with the Anunnakis. The Anunnakis have. Yeah, uh, it is. It is. They they either have human bodies with uh, with the heads of horses or bulls, um, or they have the bodies of, of a horse with a human head on it with kind of square heads. You know, I was listening to this guy by the name of Steve Quayle. Uh -huh. I, I don't know who he is. Uh, he's a he's a secularist. He's he's really into uh, you know the world and politics and all this other stuff. But he's also tends to be a spiritual guy, and he's writing this book now. And he says he has come to the conclusion that the Anunnaki God, the Anunnaki God, and I can't remember what his name was, um, was actually Lucifer. The whole Anunnaki civilization was the fallen, was Lucifer yeah, the fallen. It totally is. It totally is. Remember, that's why I'll, we had so much bad luck when we were writing that book because we were calling in the, the Anunnaki beings and they're like, all these really good looking angels, like really good looking. And angels, to me, when I see them, they're really gross looking. They have like tongues all over their face and eyeballs all around their heads. And they're like, all and they, they're just really gross. And because they're just like big, huge, like Brutus, like, like I'm going to beat you up type people. But they're weird because they have eyes all around their heads. And, and it's really kind of gross. But um, the ones that were coming, gonna... we were doing our book, it were like these bright, brilliant, good looking, like, like, um, you know, I'd always say, oh, this one looks like the guy from Blank Space from the Taylor Swift video. It's like uh -huh. a super hot guy in, in her video. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it, it would, it, when they're really good looking, that it makes me wonder about whether they're really good looking or if I'm just seeing them as good looking, if I'm just seeing a, my version of a good looking guy, you know, as them. Um, but yeah, the, the, I, think, I think that's true. And I think that that's why I think that Christmas is awesome and everything, but I still think that, um, you know, Santa, the way Santa is spelled is very similar to you-know-who. Um, and then it's like, you know, they they just change enough things in in uh, in it. They call it Jesus' birthday when it's really not his birthday. And then there's this big fat man, Pe Pepsi Santa, that's judging your kids instead of God, um, yeah. you know, and scaring them and stressing them out. 
So yeah. it's just it's just interesting how we as, as Americans like turn these like turn like pagan holidays or we just make holidays out of certain things. But if you're looking at the fourth dimension, the fourth dimension is like attorneys. They're so literal. It's so literal. So if I go, oh, calling in like Jesus, they're like, well, which Jesus? Jesus is personality. Jesus is spirit. Jesus is higher self. Jesus when he was mad. Jesus when he was happy. So it's like you have to be very, very like literal. So it's scary that people that are stuck in the fourth dimension that are stuck in the emotional realm that haven't made it into the fifth dimension if they're worshiping god or jesus i don't know what they're getting in the fourth dimension they may be getting this mithros dude or they may be getting depending on what they're identifying him with you know whether he's born on december 25th and he was born of a virgin and he resurrected and you know all that like that you know the yeah apparently that's that's the uh that's the the myth of mithros is uh -huh. that uh, that he was born uh divine and that he was killed but then he resurrected but and then um and then his birthday of course was december 25th so the romans the romans had lots of different gods and and different churches quote-unquote churches and one of them was the mithras church and so they had temples throughout the roman empire uh to mithras now whether it was mithros or mithras i'm not sure but it was so close. Mithras, the story of Mithras is so close um, to the birth and resurrection of Jesus that they readily, they readily accepted the teachings of Jesus through Paul. And so Paul turned all the Mithras churches into, um, uh, into Christian churches. And, uh, but then again, the Christians were being persecuted uh, at that time, even Paul was a killer when his name was Saul. He was a killer of Christians. And so the Christians wanted to um, celebrate the birth of Christ, which was actually in August, August 7th, I think it was. And um, but, but if they were going to be having a celebration of Jesus's birth, they were going to get caught and they were going to be persecuted and killed. So they took the Mithras date of December 25th and it's stuck. It's stuck. That's why I've never, to me, you had to get in? it doesn't feel like, it doesn't, Christmas just doesn't feel like Christ. It just, it for whatever it reason, it, does, it doesn't, it's cold, it's dark, it's not light, it's, it's you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. And I tell, you know, I've told Tawny that, you know, um, Santa, Santa only comes for the, two, three, four, five, and six-year-olds, maybe seven-year-olds. It's for the children so they can learn about the kings uh, that came and gave gifts. Uh, Santa is sort of like um, the representative, representative of the kings um, who brought gifts to the birth of Christ. And so Santa is sort of like an angel, but it's to teach the children about Jesus. And so... You know, at a certain time, the parents have to take over for, for Santa. And so I told Tawny, I don't think Santa's coming this year because she's eight. And, um, and so we're going to have to take over for Santa. But at least you know about Jesus now and you know about God. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's my story. And, and uh, hopefully I didn't do anything to screw up the story with, uh, with Madison. Madison, I'm sure Santa's going to come for you this year. Uh, oh gosh, it looks like I lost Marissa. Okay, there, that might be a reason. So anyway, okay, I don't know. Maybe Marissa's phone uh, kind of dropped off. Uh, go back if you didn't have a chance to see Marissa's uh, 
little video. She had a video on yesterday, and um, and she um, she did a little bit of channeling. So I highly recommend you go back and, and check that out. But again, what we've been talking about today, how are we doing on time? We should go ahead and wrap up. And uh, Marissa, just drive safely, get home safely, and uh, Marissa will come join us again tomorrow. I'm very curious about the whole Seth and and what Peter had to say. We never did get into that yesterday. But again, what we're doing here kind of fits the, the lessons that we've been looking at this week. And that is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is an individual relationship with the Father. It's an individual relationship with the Father. It is not necessarily a relationship with your church because your church is going to be filled with lots of rules, and uh, boy, I tell you, Drew, Drew was raised in the apostolic church. And I can't tell you how, how do I say this? How do I say this? There are so many rules, 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 rules that people can get kicked out of the church for drinking a beer. I mean, it's like, I mean, even Jesus drank wine, for crying out loud. But so many churches now have rules, 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 rules. Okay, looks like Marissa popped on. Let's, uh, let's keep it short. Marissa, let's see if there, you have anything profound to talk about. Let me get you back on there again. Oh, there we are. Let's see if Marissa gets back on here. Looks like it's adding. There you are. Oh, you're in the grocery store. Yeah. Oh, I wish we had a grocery store like that in Atikama. I, I just... figure if I'm if I'm in the dark, no one can see me anyways. Okay, okay, Madison. Let me think. Um, so the as far as like Let me the... let me see Madison. Show me Madison. Madison, hold it. Hold, hold Hi, it. sweetie. Hey. Madison. So, so Hi, you're... sweetie. Oh, look at that beautiful child. Look at that beautiful girl. Oh, that's my sweetie. You're so sweet. I miss you, sweetie. I look forward to seeing you in January. Yeah, I'll see you probably in January. I'll come back and see you. You can show me your, your, new, your new dance moves. You can show me everything you're learning. Is that okay? All right. Okay, sweetie. I love you. Can I see your Send you a kiss. Yep, she has cat ears. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she was wearing those cat ears when I was there. Yeah, it's super cute. See those yeah. leopard pants. Can you, believe, can you believe it? I mean, I've only been gone from there for 10 days. I know. It feels like a long time. 10 days. Time. It feels a heck of a lot longer than that. It feels like forever. It feels like forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing that 11 I days. Tonight's thing that you keep bringing up, Paul. Remember, I've always said that I thought that Paul was the Paul was the Antichrist, not that he was a bad person. He just had so much fear, and he just, for some reason, he just um, he couldn't get it right. Um, but um, I had a question, is because I was I thought that Paul didn't walk with Jesus, and then Elaine was saying that he he did. Did he did he walk with Jesus or no no okay. no? I thought she no. said he was in the desert with him for like three years. No, he was not. No, oh. no. No, Paul. Paul was Paul was a, a soldier. Um, uh -huh. I guess in the Jewish, the Jews had their own army. And is this uh, based on our teachings, or is this based on the Bible, or ooh, man, the Bible? Oh, okay, the, okay, cool, cool. The Bible, yeah, the Bible. Um, Paul was uh, a, his name was Saul, S-A-U-L, yeah. Saul, and he was a he would round up Christians. 
In fact, he was the killer. He 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 called for the stoning of Stephen. Stephen oh, okay. was the first martyr for Jesus. And it was Paul who was right there who was passing out lots for the clothes of Stephen. And he was like, yeah, I killed another one. He was, oh. he was killing Christians. That's why the apostles were very leery of him. Uh, yeah. When he became a, 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 an apostle of, of Jesus. But no, tell Elaine, no. Paul okay. never, Paul never walked with Jesus, the man, never. She says he would, before he was even um, out doing his thing, he knew Jesus and he was in the desert with him for three years and then he blinded him and this and that. And I thought, I think he blinded him, but I don't think that he ever really no. walked with him. And, um, no. But I didn't have any evidence to, to back it up. So I went, oh, okay, <laughs> you know. Yeah, not to get not to get in an uh, argument with Elaine, but no, she's she's got a misconception of who Paul is. Okay, now I'm gonna go now. Now I'm now I'm actually Elaine. You guys is my mother-in-law, <laughs> so yeah, mother now we decided yeah. to go read the Bible is for the, all the wrong reasons. But I'm gonna go um, read about Paul. <laughs> Mom, yeah. I just saw something that goes on Here, top of birthday cake. The the best way to learn about Paul is in the. Out in the book of Acts. Oh, okay. Uh, that's I just he also wrote the book of Acts. And it's it's actually the Acts of the Apostles. And uh, he gives a good story. He he tells the story of Paul. Because oh, okay. Luke and Luke and Paul joined together and Luke actually traveled with Paul. And Luke actually actually became the scribe for Paul. Oh, okay. Uh, to just describe all the things that happened to Paul on his way to Rome because oh, okay. he was he refused to be judged by the Jews. He said, Because I am a Roman. Even though he was a Jew, he is also a Roman. So he Got he it. he wanted to be judged by Caesar and not by the the Sanhedrin, the Jewish oh. Sanhedrin. And so the the book of Acts um, talks about his travels um, and getting shipwrecked and being on an island for a while and then being in a prison. And, and it's, you know, it's the story of Paul. Uh, but why does that have anything to do with the teachings of Christ and why is it in the Bible? Ah, it just because, tells about who he is. Because Jesus blinded him to tell him to stop killing Christians and oh. to also be Jesus's apostle and go to the Gentiles. He was the apostles, the real apostles of Jesus were to go out into the world to bring back the Jews into the new kingdom of heaven. But it was up to, it was Paul, it was up to Paul to go out to the Gentiles. And that's why I was talking about uh, Paul created his own religion, basically, by by incorporating uh, all the philosophy of the old Greek uh, philosophers. Uh, yeah. that had that had come three four hundred years before Jesus, so you're saying we've lost it. I mean, what have we? I was talking about today is we have lost it. We have turned <laughs> we have turned the teachings of Jesus into the church of yeah. Jesus. Oh yeah, I heard in, you say that. In, instead of the individuality, and yeah. that's why I say that's why we're doing this bridging the gap between Christianity and spirituality because we're trying to bring those Christians and Jews and whoever back into that individual relationship with God mm-hmm. instead of being feeling guilty because they don't go to church or whatever. It doesn't have to be through Jesus. It can be through Christ. Um, 
um, to, to go to God, basically, because I think a lot of people get hung up on Jesus, at least I do. Um, yeah. and, and so it's like a, Jesus was... Well, Jesus was just teaching us. He's teaching us that yeah. God lives within us. So we yeah. have this relationship, one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Father, with the Father. And it's the Father that, that oh. has established our plan. So anyway... But it's saying eventually there's going to be another John the Baptist that's going to come along that's going to get people out of that church mentality. It's okay to go to church. I mean, that's a good social well, yeah, it's thing. fellowship. It's, it's, it's people trying to all do good that yeah. are together. Um, a lot of guilt, but, you know, it's like a lot of people at least trying to be good, you know. And uh, But they a, go to church and they're losing that, that individual yeah, relationship, the they individual told relationship. They, what? Matthew, Matthew goes, Mommy, I can't help, ask God for help this time because God's dead now. And I said, oh, what? Boy. He says, they told me at Sunday school that God's dead. Oh, and brother. How Jesus died. And they keep saying that Jesus is God. But Jesus isn't God. Jesus is the son of God. It's like so confusing. And we wonder why people don't understand Christianity. I mean, maybe we understand it. Maybe we don't. I mean, we understand it to the way we understand it now because of what we've been learning for the past 12 years or however right. long that is. But, but still, it's like. I go to the church and I go, do I even want to bring my kids here? Because some like random person that's willing to um, donate their time is teaching Sunday school and teaching their interpretation of it. And they're going to grow up thinking that God's dead. Oh, God. Thinks in like it oh. like it's sealed in there. So I, I find it, but Jeff's kind of adamant about, you know, them going to church and stuff like that, which is fine and everything. But I'm just very... I say wait until like seven or eight years old before people take their kids into church because otherwise it's just sealed into their brain. Like sealed. Yeah, we, we waited until you were, gosh. I was in uh, sixth grade. Yeah, I think the very early 90s we took mm -hmm. it. So, no, I think you were 13 or 14 by the time we finally took you to church. Yeah, uh, was jo like Joshua was nine or 10, Yeah, something like yeah. that. And we thought, you know, you guys, we got to get you in the church. Uh, even if I didn't believe, fully believe, mm -hmm. I felt that it was necessary to have some foundation. And yeah. uh, hey, we got free donut holes. That was good. That was the best. Yeah. The whole reason behind it, we'd be like, donut holes, and run straight for them afterwards. Jeez, I how know. <laughs> We're like, we don't want to buy our own donuts. We'll go to church for donuts. Madison's yeah. making cream sculpture right now. Oh, Madison. gee. Madison, do you understand who God is? Is God inside of us? Spirit. Spirit? Oh, God is spirit? Yes. And where is that spirit inside of us? You want to tell? Where is our spirit right inside? Right here. Oh, right around, right on the right oh, side. Oh, you sure are. Oh, that's sweet, Madison. That's true. He yeah. is in our minds. He is in our brains. Oh, there's spirits right there. Oh, cool. The Father lives. That's it's what he wants. He wants us to meld that mind with our spirit. spirit. So Way to go, Way to go, Madison. And what else, Madison? What do you know about God? Some cameras actually show God you. Some some spy cameras, like uh -huh. over there. Um, some of those cameras, um, like God. That's some of those cameras, um, show God you. Oh, God! God looks so you at us. So when you pass by uh -huh. it, you can. God can like see you. Oh, oh yeah, Ooh, that's God. right. We're we're on TV. God's yeah. watching on his TV. He watches us on he's his TV. TV and looking at all of us. Oh my that's gosh, that's right. Your energy, because that's what you tell. Isn't that what you tell Tani? Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
she just totally tuned in your energy. She's like, God is looking at through the cameras. I wonder if, you know, that makes me think that maybe we are from the future and maybe Wait, we're like maybe that. Maybe I'm just reading. Maybe I'm just reading Tawny's brain. Maybe you're reading Tawny's brain. Well, what about you? If you probably Tawny? are. I don't you probably know. are. What has God done to you? He brushes your own hair. He <laughs> you brushes your own hair. <laughs> Silly. You don't like to brush your hair. That's why her hair is like that right now. Because there's uh -oh. the, the, the innocence asking, of children. The absolute asking, innocence of children. I know. Next time you're here, we have to interview her and, and Buddy because he's old enough now to where he's starting to go, I don't know. But he used to go, you know, he used to answer my questions about stuff. And uh -huh. Madison got to the point where she's like, Mommy, I don't want to talk about creation anymore. Huh. So I was trying to milk them for information when they were little. But um, now they're old enough to where they remember, but they're starting to, like, forget. Yeah. So, all right, let's well, I, was, I was talking yesterday that uh, you know when you when you're down and you just feel like you've got those those big black clouds hanging around your head find find a way to get into somewhat of a meditative state by going back to a happy place and yeah. I was I was talking about when I was 8 years old and I was sitting in a field in uh, Palmdale, California. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, that's when the, the engineer threw me a bag of grapes and I ate grapes for the first time. There was something something magical about that that it's just always in my grapes. head. It's, Seriously, they threw you grapes? Yeah, he threw me a bag of grapes. Do you get the relevance grapes. of that with like the whole like wine of, you know, Jesus and grapes to wine and wine is the blood and, and all that stuff? Could be. I never really it's thought of it that way. Actually. Your higher self but, is like, hey, let's go throw him some grapes. He'll get a kick out of this later on when he starts teaching about Jesus. No, it was a beautiful day. I remember it was a beautiful day. And, and you know how on those really quiet and beautiful days and you hear planes way off in the distance going, I remember that. I remember there being, and then this train just slowly came by, slow, slow, slow. And the guy saw me out laying in the grass and he threw me a bag of grapes. And that's my happy place. That's I think cool. that was, I think that was, it seems to be the happiest time of my life. That's probably that, that's that actually, one day. That one. That's day. when your spirit came in. That's when your your spirit that you are came into your body because that's when we come in when we're eight. So that's probably okay. right when you came in. So Could they be. probably threw the grapes and then they're like, "All right, you're on your own now, buddy." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then it so was downhill from there, and then uphill. Yeah, so the things. So Madison's at that age right now where where she can be very. She's going to remember things. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's beyond that age that she, they don't remember. And she's at a point where certain things are going to happen in her life that are going to be with her the rest of her life. I'm 73 years old, and I still remember that eight-year-old little boy. Me. So anyway, okay, Marissa, I'm going to let you go. Okay. You, uh, okay. you finish, right. up, finish up your groceries, and uh, okay. let's see tomorrow, because I'm still going to be anxious to see if you're going to be uh, channeling Seth. I channeled uh, him last night. I was going to tell you, go on. I, I came on after. I boosted your show, by the way. I boosted your uh, recording yesterday. Oh, I was gonna, uh, a lot of people saw that. I was like, wow. Yeah, so I did that after. Oh, uh, yeah, you got about a thousand three plays night. already. You got about a thousand people who have seen the whole thing. Yeah. And you got you got some like seven thousand views. So. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, it got out there. I thought it was I thought it was necessary because you got knocked off with five fully charged phones that weren't yeah. working. I was just That's like, Uncle will not be disappointed tonight. I have everything charged. I've got the lights on, and I was ready tonight. But then I had promised Madison that I would 
watch her dance. So I was like, I don't want to let Madison down. And no, 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 no. So anyways, I'm multitasking. But tomorrow I'll be ready in front of the lights, ready to go. But I channeled Seth last night, and a lot of inf cool information came through. So I'll share it cool. tomorrow when, when, I, when we do the show. So. Great. Yeah, yeah, I read a little. I read a little bit from Genesis uh, at the beginning. Bye, Madison. <laughs> Bye. Be good to Mama. Okay. Cute. Oh, she is so cute. So you read from Genesis. All right. Yeah, I read from Genesis just uh, how they had broken from the line of Cain and then went to the line of Seth uh, oh. for, for some reason. And the names in the lineage from Cain are very similar to the names in, in Seth, but Cain gets dropped, Seth continues on all the way up to Enoch and beyond. So I got into a little bit of Enoch as well. So anyway, uh, be safe, get your grocery shopping done. And, uh, have yourself a good night. Go ahead and click off. And I'll say okay, goodbye bye. to a few people on here. Bye. Okay, Marissa, we'll catch you tomorrow. Okay, bye. Bye, Madison. So sweet. They're so sweet. Who came in today? I think I had a bunch of people in here. Let's see. Uh, Sheila. Hi, Sheila. Sheila Claybert. Marissa's in there a couple times. Hi, Glenna. Ballet. That's right. Debbie. Debbie Osborne. Lenart. Hi, Debbie. Thank you. Marissa. Hi, Marissa. Marissa Carter. Thanks for doing this daily. I've learned so much. So oh, thanks, Marissa. A lot of people have. Uh, Marissa and Marissa. Marissa Morris. Diane. Hi, Diane. And uh, who else is in there? A lot of Marissa. <laughs> Marissa. 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 Marissa was talking to me. Clever. Glevin is in there and she's watching. So thanks, you guys. I really appreciate it. And for those of you who come on later, um, I appreciate it. God appreciates it. Don't get the wrong idea about the whole church thing. It's just that, you know, when Paul started doing his thing, uh, he kind of changed. He kind of changed the teachings of Jesus. So we, we want to we focus in on this gap, uh, bridging this gap now. We want to get back away from all the rules of the church. It's okay. It's a social order. And let's get back to that one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Father. And you don't have to necessarily believe in the man Jesus. Just believe in what he was teaching. And that's that we are all a piece of God. Marissa likes to say, God is the ocean, and he takes a drop of that ocean, and he creates you. So you are a piece of God. You know, you have everything that, that God is. And he puts his spirit in you and he wants to guide you. So learn to do the will of the Father and you'll be doing the teachings uh, that Jesus has brought us. And with that, uh, go have yourself a good Thursday night. Thursday night football on. Our cable went out. I can't even get. It says uh, it's blocked. I don't know why it's blocked. We've got paid and it's paid all the way till December. So anyway, I don't know who's playing but uh, go watch some sports, uh, enjoy life, be happy, not from doing bad things, being happy about doing bad things, but be happy about just everything that you've got in your life. You've got children, you've got family, you've got parents, you've got a house over your head, uh, a roof over your head, and you've got cars to drive. Uh, but don't be burdened by those temporal things. Just be happy that you exist and uh, try to do the will of the Father. Sometimes we forget. You know, I forget. It goes all the way in the afternoon, and I go, oh, oh my gosh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I got busy. <laughs> Sorry, God, I got busy. And I quickly turn my will back over to him and 
let him carry me through the rest of the day. So again, my name is Joe Morris. I'm with Answers Heaven Speaks. You can go to discoverintuition.com and learn all about MRSA. And on, our, on, the, um, on the site there, um, uh, there's a little button that says uh, learn. Uh, just push that button, learn. It'll go right to uh, uh, Marissa's website, uh, Discover Intuition. You get to know a little bit more about what Marissa does. So anyway, God bless all of you. Have a great night. And God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. Jesus is going to be leaving for Jerusalem. We're finally going to get back into the story again. Not just lessons, but we're going to get into the story. So let's see what happens. So you take care. We'll catch you then. Bye-bye.